Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for the television programs of TGIT, which is on ABC, which is terrific. As you know, it is official. I continue to be official and will be all the way through the end of the season. We have somebody with me who is new to the Scandal family, but I have to say is like one of my favorite actresses. And when she started guest starring on one of my favorite shows, I started running around the office like a chicken with my head cut off going, who the frigging chickens is this person? And then I saw her on another one of my favorite shows. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, no further ado, Artemis Pebdani. She is playing Susan Ross, who's our vice president Yay! currently, which is super awesome. And thank you so much for taking time to come in here and do this because you probably have a day off. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm just so freaking excited to be here. Um, her outfit's really good, you guys. It's super good. She's wearing a yellow silk top with um these sort of like a flower pattern, which is kind of an ivory color, and it's got a nice little cinched in, kind of wasty thing, doodle thing happening. She's got some great pants and excellent brown platforms, and I'm gonna say the neckwear is especially beguiling. Thank you. It's a fish. It's a catfish. It's a catfish, and he's he's doing catfish type things. Yeah. He's all in a catfish kind of circle. So I first saw you on, I saw you on Masters of Sex first, I think. Okay. And then I saw you on Garfunkel and Oates. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a very beguiling guest starring role. Yeah, well, we talked about this. Yes, we did. Like in quick passing. Like literally, she came into the table read, you guys. You came in and I was so excited because I'd literally just seen you on the same rerun. And I think I came up to you and said something ridiculous like, oh my God, I'm such a huge fan. I just saw you on Garfunkel and Oates. And you were like, okay, too much information, like right there. (gasps) Oh, no, I bet that was not. It is a table read, and I'm usually just a ball of nerves at the table read. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I think it was actually your first table read, too. Yeah, so that's also... There was no pressure. No, not at all. Not at all. As you all know, at the table reads, people tend to bring their Shakespearean A-game to the table (laughs) reads, so they're a little bit like the World Series of table reads, and... The great thing was I remember this table read because you just started talking and you literally brought the house down. Oh, that's Like there was a, everybody started laughing like and clapping and it was like super great. So I don't know why you were nervous because. That's part of the game. You kick ass. That's so sweet. But I mean, it's a, it's a special game that table read. You go in and no peeking, right? No peeking. peeking. And you just, and as the page turns and the story goes, you're figuring it out as you're reading it. And that's real (laughs) special. That's a very special game. I don't remember. Did you, did you know? You know what the character was we hired you for when we hired you for it? No. I had very little idea of what was going on. What I auditioned with, and I had to tape it myself, was that part way early on. I was running for campaign and I couldn't stop staring. I couldn't close my eyes. Right. I kept blink too much and then I wouldn't blink enough. That's all I knew. You know, I got a script, obviously, and I read that. But no, VPness, any of that, absolutely no idea about anything. And have you ever had that happen before? You've done comedy and you've done improv, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. You're good at improvisation, which means you kind of say yes and take it as it comes. But... It's right. still kind of screwy. Oh, it's nutballs, y'all. <laughs> I just can't even. No, it's it's a super screwy way of doing business. It's great, though. But it's it a good actually ride. makes things really entertaining. And when you when you kind of agree to get on the train, you just have to kind of agree to get on the train. It sounds like up with people, but you just kind of get to agree. And then it gets to be fun. Although the stress for you guys not to get a script until so late is pretty intense, both for memorization and it's also because yeah. not knowing what's happening next. 
I didn't even know that was it. I didn't even, I thought that I just wasn't getting the scripts because often I'm like left <laughs> off of lists or something. It just happens. So I kept, I kept asking my managers to talk to production about scripts. And finally they were like, hey, you're not going to get a script. Just show up to the table read and you'll figure it out. But I remember one of the actors coming up to me during the pilot and sitting down and saying, okay, so tell me like what, what happens with my character? And <laughs> we don't know. Oh, really? Not a clue. Really? Basically, the way Shonda works is she creates the character, and then she sees you, and then you become the character, and then she watches you, and then as she watches you work, the character starts to become clearer and clearer, uh -huh. and she, the whole thing sort of gets composed that way. So they'd never had the situation before, so Shonda kept saying, look, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but whatever you want to work for your history, use it. And then weirdly, we very often end up incorporating some of that. So it just, it kind of depends. You know, it makes so much sense that, that y'all develop characters after seeing the actor because yeah. this stuff seems so natural. It seems when you're reading it, you're like, oh, this this is kind of how I talk. And this is, you know, something that I can just easily lean into. Ever since Grey's, I think the feeling has been, how do you best utilize the skills and sort of the leanings of the actor? And the actor is going to guide you in a lot of ways to where the strengths and the weaknesses of the character are. And it's just, it's really fun that way. It just allows more things to happen. And given the fact that Scandal is plotted in such a breakneck way, and they're just constantly getting themselves into corners, the writers, and then having to like take a teaspoon and dig themselves out. It's just, I think, fun to do it with the characters too. I look at like Rowan. Everyone knew Joe's an amazing actor and Shakespeare and everything else. Oh my else. goodness, oh my goodness. But watching him is Watching so is much. just like, it's like a masterclass. It's fantastic. But the more they realized how much he loves and relishes the, <laughs> the histentorian tones, the more they just drive into the skid mm -hmm. so and I think that that's true and the good thing about me as you guys know is that um, I don't write so I can be super complimentary to everything you don't write but are you in any of the writing process at all are you no there what I do is when the show's being developed I develop the show with the writer mm -hmm. I'm available essentially to do whatever on that front I'm involved in the development of the pilot I help sell the pilot, produce the pilot, cast the pilot, do everything that a normal producer does. And then I'm available for as much story or as much input as the creator needs me to be. So in the case of Shonda, we talk in various points about what's going on or what's going to happen and, or, and I weigh in or I give input. But if that's not needed, then there's a bunch of other stuff for me to do too. But I always see everything. I'm aware of everything. I know what's going to happen and I weigh in when it seems like it's smart. But How the good news is I don't write. Each other? How do we find each other? Yeah. It's like, she's interviewing <laughs> me. No, this is, they'll all be really relieved because I don't talk about myself. Um, we met um, in my old job. I was a, a movie producer and I worked with another movie producer and we wanted to get into television and she came in and she wanted to get into television too. We met and we hit it off and it was like pretty much from the moment we met, we were like, oh, like, I really like you. Oh, like, great. that's really interesting. So we developed a television show for ABC that was about war correspondents that didn't get picked up. And then the second year, we talked about a medical show, and that's where Grace came from. And then that was our first show. Oh, that's amazing. Which was really, really, it was really cool. So, yeah. yeah. Where are you from originally? Because you have a little... Yeah, I'm you, from Houston. You got a little lilt. Uh-huh. It comes in and out, and I'll y'all all over the place. Well, you when, when you get down there, do you get all y'all-y and drawly? Oh, sure. <laughs> and like two beers in, I am... Yep, 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 yep. You're the... <laughs> Now, let me ask you a question. So Susan, in this episode, it seems like 
you're not scared to dig your heels in because you're sitting in the spelling bee. They need the vote on this bill. But Susan is pretty confident about not taking any guff from Cyrus, from what I can tell, to the best of her ability. Yeah. Like she believes what she believes. I, yeah. And it's like, well, wh- what do I have to lose here? When it boils down to is I'm in this to make this world a better place for my daughter. And I bet she's already seen so many people be like, oh, we have to do this now. We have to this. We have to that. And the world is going to end if we don't. So I bet she's like, I can take five minutes, you know, impress upon this child's life, the importance of learning and and being smart, and that's great, and then I'll get up and I'll do what I have to do. I'll get up in a hurry, and then I'll leave in a hurry and do what I have to do once it's done. Yeah, because that is one of my favorite moments is right there in the beginning where there's this look of I'm not moving until this little girl finishes spelling this word. Oh, and, and also that it's onomatopoeia. I thought was really, really funny. And how long it goes is just so funny. It's really, really <laughs> just so funny how long. I wonder if in casting they were like, nope, drag it out, drag it out. It's also really funny because the show is so fast-paced. To have this one little chunk that was about how slow time moves was... <laughs> I thought incredibly funny. I and mean, you I just... see Ethan like spelling it yeah. with <laughs> her just in and out. So good. What was your favorite part about this episode for you or the character, do you think? I, I think just, uh, you know, we, we finally gotten past all the formality of like, yay, Susan's becoming the VP and all that. And now she finally gets to do something, something that matters and work the system the way that she thinks it should be worked. Not, not that she thinks she's twisting anyone's arm or she thinks she's doing anything revolutionary. Oh, there's a bill and, and you want me to vote on it. Well, duh, I'm going to read it. And that's it. I mean, it's so like pure and simple and basic. And and just that she finally gets to start doing work is great. It's true. It's true. And I think once again, the whole idea of this runner of reading the bill and not being willing to vote on the bill until you read the bill, it's another example of fast and slow on this show because Mm. just like little girl, you're taking your time, which is kind of great. You're just not used to anybody going through a due process on scandal. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about politics. It's never about actually what's happening. (laughs) And that sort of idea. And to me, What's starting to develop, I think, is really cool is also the relationship with Melly. Yeah. How Susan and Melly coexist in the world. That was such an interesting moment of just being like, I know what you're doing, and that's cool. Anyway, so I'm reading this bill, and what do you think about this bill? It's kind of amazing. And also that moment where Melly is like, oh, I haven't read it, and just like, oh, how disappointing that is to Susan. Like, oh, I looked up to you and thought you are so great, and I'll read this bill. It's that thing of, in a weird way, I think what everybody's really liking about Susan is, She's the first kind of guileless and fully honest person who we've seen in a really, really, really long time. Because, it, you know, you figure, like, I had a lot of help for Andrew. Like, I thought Andrew was super straightforward, and he was a long-term politician. But then it turns out, like, he's slime-tastic. I mean, yeah, fast and furious he got into it, He man. got super into it, and then you discover he's just been banging everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you think it's just Melly, and then he's banging Elizabeth and God knows what else he's been dragging into his apartment. So that was kind of like, okay, well, he was the first piece of fresh meat that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. He turned out to be fully contaminated, which is kind of sad, (laughs) you know, but what's amazing is I think that's one of the things which is so delightful about the character is she doesn't have any skin in the game in terms of ambition. You guys, we just had a wildlife incident. (laughs) Um, There was a bug. It was a wee bug. It wasn't too threatening. But the deal was the bug was not hurting anybody. But however, he, he was besmirching your top. He got up all my makeup, too. There's actually something else in the office that a lot of people comment on, which is, of course, Bucky. Mm, I just saw it. Okay, so Bucky, for you people who cannot see Bucky, Bucky is kind of interesting. Bucky's been around since Grey's Anatomy in the writer's room, and Bucky is this fake uh, animal that might 
be a ferret. Mm. It's unclear, but Bucky has springs in him and you can hold him and make him look like he moves and oh. he's real, which is part of the charm of Bucky. Bucky also sheds like a mofo. Oh. So I tend to keep Bucky over here, but just a tiny piece of trivia, Scott Foley, TV's Jake. He's very entranced with Bucky. And when Bucky was moved from the shelf and it's a little freaky when you walk in my office, you sit down and you look to your right and you see this dead animal essentially on a throw. So Scott Foley likes the dead animal there because once it was there and he thought it was really funny and then other times it hasn't been there, he's requested the dead animal, Bucky with the springs. And the other fun fact is that um, Bucky is laying on a charisma wrap, which of course Scott Foley gave me because he is a charisma spokesperson. Oh, okay. It wasn't for Bucky specifically though? No, but I feel like Bucky has made it his own. So therefore I like to say it's Bucky's throw. Um, Bucky is a cross between adorable and kind of disgusting. Foul. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. poor Bucky's leaning towards stinky foul. Just so you know, if you think this is a super friendly atmosphere, I have a really threatening animal. <laughs> Bucky could have taken out the wee bug if Bucky was actually, oh, I don't know, alive. For those people who are interested in knowing what my office looks like, next podcast, I'll talk a little bit about the art. But Bucky's Ooh. more, uh, I think, I think sort of Bucky's more savvy. So what do you, what do you think's going to happen? I know you know some things, but what do you think's going to happen with Susan? Do you think they can corrupt Susan? Do you think Susan's uncorruptible? I don't know. I joke, you know, I know bits about her past and I know this far into doing like one hour series is mm -hmm. that not to make too many assumptions because the second you make an assumption, everything gets blown to bits at the next table read. So I try not to jump too far ahead. I do joke that like, like I walk around the set and I touch all the artwork and I'm like, I'm going to touch this before they blow my brains out. Because I just <laughs> feel like that's what's going to happen, right? Eventually she's going to get her brains blown out. By probably Cyrus, maybe Melly, you know, someone's just gonna. <laughs> yeah, you know, it also feels like jabby stabbing is very popular from this past episode. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of jabby stabbing with a pen knife. Yeah. Which, by the way, really, do you have to do that? That seems super popular. The jabby stabbing seems super popular. It's effective. So that's. Got me. Um, throat slitting. It seems like Lena Dunham got her throat cut. <gasps> that was such a good throat slit. That was such a good throat slit. And by the way, Props to Lena, which I've expressed to Lena. I think she would gave one of the best dead faces in history. Oh my gosh. Her dead face was amazing, was oh it not? Oh my gosh, was she? It looked, I looked, she didn't breathe. She didn't anything. And I love just staring. She to see channeled she dead. She was fantastic. She was great. She channeled dead and she rocked that hair. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the yeah. hair was just, that was a whole show in itself. Was that, that character's hair should have just had its own series, a spinoff about that hair. That switch between her first scene and then the rest of the show of like her own switch was just like sassy fantastic. Sassy fantastic, exactly. Great. And um, I think she has a long future ahead of her playing People get like murdered at various points in shows. <laughs> she was so good. Not at that it. she necessarily wants that as a as a choice, but I think it's always good to know that you have that in the in your back pocket. Yeah, that's a fun party trick. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, yeah. really, really fun party. Y'all want to watch me die? Now, do you think that there are any similarities between you, Artemis, and and Susan Ross? Oh, completely genius. And I feel like <laughs> you're an excellent speller. I yes, no. I have a tendency to vomit talk like she does. I do too. Like, yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> there you go. It's called a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've been realizing that I'll play roles and I'm not what you'd consider a method actor. I don't feel like I need to 
live my character, but the role will always bleed into my life and I'll always be like, oh, I'm so that character. I am so that character. I'm so flow. I'm so Artemis. And then with Susan, she's in my life and I'm a nicer person in traffic as I've been playing Susan. Like, just like, well, okay, you get to where you have to get to and I'll get to where I have to get to. Hurry up, grandma. Like, just. Do you, do, do you always sort of like picture your daughter in your backseat just in case? Because it's like. Oh, no. No, that would okay, probably so, be great. But... So you're Susan without, without the daughter. Also, that, that weird, like, black and white, that childish notion of, like, well, this is the right thing. Why wouldn't we just do it like this? Now, is the reaction you get doing the show different than the reactions you've gotten from Sunny or Masters of Sex or when you talk to people? Do people always just react to you when you see people and they recognize you the same way? Because I find when I talk to actors very often... You're just that character now. A lot of the shows I've been on are weird culty little shows. Like Sunny's a culty show. This is definitely a culty show. And it just depends who comes up to me and what their what their fetish is, you know, (laughs) I guess, as to how they react. Like I'm, I, people are much nicer to me from Scandal and Susan Ross. I think they think that I'm a really nice person (laughs) because Susan Ross is. Whereas, you know, Sunny fans will come up to me and be like, when I am with my parents, eating somewhere and say the foulest things to me and be happy about it one like a high five they're all they're all great glad to have them how do your parents deal with that when they're trying to get through their fish fillet oh they're just so proud i think hopefully that's awesome i think they just turn off it just turns off whatever the exact details of the conversation are are just their pride is floods into their ears and blocks their blocks the ear canals you also have clearly one of the coolest names in the history of television. What's great is, like, no one else has your name. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I've never met an actor named Artemis, which is super cool. Or anybody, actually, for that matter. Yeah. Now, was that a family name? Did you... Nope. Did they, are they just fans of the god? Yeah, my, my parents named my sisters and myself after... Well, they were lesser-known goddesses. Yeah, I mean, Artemis is one of the top... Yeah. Six, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, in, she's in, more known. In the Greek ethos, correct? Yeah. yeah. And I just found out she's also, there's like Persian mythology. And, y'all, some info, in Iran, she was like around 500 BC, the first female naval admiral in Iran. Artemis was? Yeah. Got a little history lesson, y'all. Yes. That is really interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally, I'm pausing in a very long Susan Ross type thoughtful pause. Now you have sister. Uh-huh, I have two. Two, and so what are their names? Atessa and Apama. And I'm such a bad sister because I can't tell you what their names mean. Are you close to your sister? I'm super close to them, yeah. Where are you from from? I'm from New York, hence the potty mouth. Uh... I'm from New York, but honestly, I've lived out here so long. I never give up my honorary New York existence status, but mm. I've been out here for like 500 years. So, no, and I love the East Coast. I mean, I miss it sometimes, and there's always a part of me that still feels like I'm a New Yorker, but this is a great place to live. I mean, yeah, don't you think? so much easier than New so York. So much easier. My biggest memory about living in New York was like, I would be walking to back to my apartment from like D'Agostino's, and I could only have the strength to carry like one seltzer bottle, a box of crackers, one roll of toilet paper, some milk. And the, when I first moved here and I realized I could buy like a whole pack of toilet paper and put it in the back of my car, Oh my God, my whole life changed. Like so many friends with like babies now who are doing the like third story, fourth story walk up. The schlepping? Yeah, with the baby child. And they, when the baby was coming, they're like, yeah. Like they never, they never were like, but we're going to have to schlep our baby up. These 
Never even thought about that. Oh. They, that never came out of their mouths. I'm going to ask you some fan questions. How do you feel about oh, that? I'm excited. Let's I do know, it. right? Let's it's do it. um, I'm super psyched. Hi, Bobblehead. Um, Bobblehead lives is uh, one of the most tremendous fans in the history of fandom, and Hi, Bobblehead, Bobblehead always um, asks very inventive questions. So, Artemis, you're trapped in a Disney movie. What movie? Fantasia. Fantasia. Do you yeah. watch or you get involved or what do you do? I mean, I wouldn't mind being a dancing broom as long as I don't have to clean. I guess. So you're just a broom right? that dances. <laughs> I'm just a dancing broom. You're like, I was just tired to dance. You spill something? That's not, <laughs> that's that's not, not my, my jam. Job. <laughs> this is not what I do. No. I dance. Ooh, or what about Swiss Family Robinson? That I would be good. I don't remember what they did. But doesn't I matter. They don't they just hang out and build crap out great of weird house. items? Yeah. That's cool. And I'd get in that. Yeah. You'd get, see, you would yeah. get in that. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Karina um, Robletto at Karina Robletto wants to know, was Susan and Ross's laugh written in the script? And what was your inspiration? It was so funny and quirky. And yes, you guys, it was written in the script. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, at the table read, when it, like we were there and it said, and then she laughs. And then the, the description of the laugh is just like a, like a beautiful paragraph. I can't even tell you. Like it says that it goes up and down. It's like, it like describes what a roller coaster is. And as I was like, okay, well, here we go. You know, it's time to do this. And as I was about to start, I hear like something crazy happening to the right of me and it's Bellamy. And then I was like, well, what in the hell is going on? And then I was like, oh, she's trying to save me from having to be like, just show my guts. Um, and then later, Darby tells me that, that Bellamy's natural laugh is, is like a crazy person's laugh. Yeah. But I've, I've seen her since then and I've heard her laugh since then. And it's not, it's not that crazy. It's, no. it's a joyful laugh that she enjoys. Her laugh is... It is infectious. It's very high and it's trilly. It's <laughs> yes. the best way to describe it. Is she sort of she laughs like she's singing. Yeah. Yet it is because she's driving up and down octaves. It does have a slight magically, energetically wacky aspect to it. Yeah. It's a delightful laugh. But it's, it's, it is. But it's um it, it's definitely its own laugh. Yeah. So did you you sort of heard that in the back of your head? Um I well I was listening to her and I was like, okay, I wouldn't well, have been back in your head. That would be uh, actually technically listening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Somewhere <laughs> in my head. I remember just being like, okay, well I'm just gonna have to do this uh, and figure it out and do like kind of math. Like I had a friend in high school named Shannon Martin who would gear into her laughs like a <laughs> Before she laughed, and my facialist is an inhale laugher, like a. Do you know any snorters? I do know. My snorters. mother used to snort. Oh, really? And my, one of my sisters snorts too. Sorry, and then Kathy. does that just make you start laughing? You just no, can't. No, because it, it, it was my mother. I found it very irritating. <laughs> oh, okay. Poor woman. It wasn't her fault. She snorted. <laughs> but it, do, it it does sort of it does endear me in a way to snorters, just because it's it's such an interesting thing in the middle of a laugh to in, to inhale to such a degree that you snort like a horse. <laughs> It's not so common, I feel like. I don't, I don't hear too many snorters. So I was like, well, I know I'm going to start with a Shannon Martin, hit a Charlotte, <laughs> have some Bellamy in there, and then end with a what the hell is happening to me, and just let it ride in between. And that was pretty much what happened. It was, it was a standout genius moment, I have to say. <laughs> and it never fails to actually reduce me into an absolute state because... It is one of the best. First of all, they wrote this person with this incredibly horrifying laugh, and they yeah. told me this. See, it just makes you start laughing because it is—it's the most innocuous thing that could cause problems for somebody. Yet you can't imagine somebody in public office you have to listen to all the time whose laugh is that intense. Yeah, and they were right in the script where they were like, "This is Howard Dean's yaw." <laughs> like you're right. That is exactly what it is. Just like one little supposedly benign moment just gets you. It's Kim Bitch um, at Scandal Fan and wants to know, what is your guilty pleasure? Do you have any guilty pleasures? eBay. eBay? eBay. 
You guys. And it'll be the weirdest things. I'll be like, you know what I need? 40 pairs of vintage sunglasses. Maybe not 40. And I'll like learn about history from just looking on eBay. Like it's, it's awful. It's ridiculous. My, uh, my husband, he loves him some eBay. Uh-huh. And he fixates on particular brands of clothing from a particular era. Okay. So, but, I understand but, this. But now, normally then you would say, oh yeah, you know, 60s Dior, right? Mm-hmm. Or something. He fixates on like 1985 Ralph Lauren, where everybody has teddy bears and they're big, like... I get that. And I'm, I'm like, you and he should have a deep conversation about this, because he, he comes in and he's going to walk the dog and he's wearing a big sweater with like a varsity letter and a teddy bear on it. And I'm like, how did this happen? And I he's love, like, I know it's exactly super, what that sweater is. <laughs> it's super, super, super of that era. And, yeah. I have, in my purse, I was wearing early 90s Lacroix sunglasses. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not kidding you. Like, I'll look that up sometimes. It's my favorite. Yeah, that's great. Um, Gabrielle Maria Gavs Gavs wants to know, what's the best advice you've been given as an actress? I think work begets work. I'm just like, just keep going, you know, keep doing it. And, and it just, something happens, it just multiplies it. It ends up like feeding itself. And I also had a professor who would say, and I'm misquoting this, but he was, I think, quoting from somebody else of like, if you don't, you know, practice your art for one day, you can tell. And if you don't do it for seven days, everybody else can tell. I think I also have the math wrong on that, but I feel like that there's something to that. No, I think you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I think that that's a really good point. Kimmy Gibbler at Lady Gladiator wants to know, how is it going from playing Flo on Masters of Sex to playing Susan on Scandal? They're, they're such different characters. They are such different characters. That's so, much so cool. It's so much fun. And like I said, though, I'll still, at the end of the day, be like, oh, I'm such this character, even though they're so different. And it's, it's just fun as an actor to be like, this is what I get to do now, you know? This is like a gift that I get. You know what I think? Flo and Susan, to me, do have one thing in common, too, which is they both unabashedly feel the way they feel. And they're unapologetic about it at a particular point. Like, Susan went through her dark night of the soul with Leo. Yeah. But she came out on the other side saying, you know what, I don't need this crap. Yeah. And I think there's something great, because there was something about Flo, too, which she's unabashedly apologetic about what she wants. And Mm. this is how it's working, and it's all good. And there's... There's a kind of honesty to both of them that I think that's the only thing that I see. Besides that, there's nothing that, you know, I'd love to picture Susan trying to be in flow shoes, and that's just freaking funny. Uh, Gabs Gabs also wants to know, what was it like to shoot with Jimmy Kimmel? Freezing. It was so cold in there. It's cold, right? It's so cold, but it was, it was surreal and weird because, you know, I'm not... I'm not Artemis on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm Susan Ross. And then you know, we had to wait. We were there during the t- a taping and everybody had to clear out so that I could come in because they also didn't want like any spoilers of any sort, sort. So we had to wait for everybody to go. And as we're backstage, and it was a lot of fun because it was like, it was a bunch of women. It was just a bunch of women from the show. Allison was there. Mary was there. And like Romola was there. And, and um, just yeah, so the writers and the line producer and our publicity person. Yeah. And like hair and makeup. And it's just like a... And I actually have some pictures of it that I that I will tweet. I'll you tweet should that. tweet that. That's tweet such that. a great idea. Oh. oh yay! And I asked Romla for permission. She said yes. And so we were backstage. And y'all, first of all, backstage in places like that is like a party. And they have a game room with a pool table, and they have a Galaga machine, and a Ms. Pac-Man machine, and it's amazing. And free popcorn. And then, as they're clearing everybody out, if like Jamie Cullen was a musical guest, and like Kevin Costner and Eddie Redmayne were there, and um, the AD, the assistant director, introduces me to Jamie Cullen, who is high on adrenaline and can't hear what's going on and doesn't even care. But the AD is like, oh, why don't you meet Susan Ross? <laughs> so he introduces me to everybody as Susan Ross, which, <laughs> which at this point, I'm in my infancy and in playing Susan Ross, which is just messing with my head. And, you know, I'm not going to 
correct them and be like, actually, my name is Artemis. I'm an actor. And I'm from Texas. I wonder if the guy actually thought you were going to be VP. Maybe, 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 maybe. he was like, oh, <laughs> this is great. I guess Joe Biden's out. And he's like, doesn't even care. He's like, okay, what's coming up next? Meet, meet him, meet him, meet him and go. Yeah. So it was great. It was surreal. And Jimmy Kimmel was very, very kind. He's lovely. Mm-hmm. He's um he's been great about this because a couple of times we have we've kind of like art imitating fiction type thing. And he always things stop. He's like focused. He knows what we're doing. Oh, yeah. He's great. He brings his A game. He's terrific. That's where we got. There's a very large wine glass over there, which is about the size of a table. Oh, I see it. I see it um, peeking out. On that the shelves. was a joke prop when he came to the scandal set to interview Shonda. <laughs> And do behind the scandalabra, I believe was the name of the oh, the special. Brilliant. And he sent us all very large wine glasses, which was, you know, you got you got to like a man who sends you a lot of wine glasses. Fotini at uh, twenty three Ophelia wants to know of the scenes you shot so far, which one would you say is your favorite? Like I think that the very first scene of the. Diego Munoz episode. I am walking into the Oval Office and everybody, you know, Cyrus is there actually being nice to me because our relationship hasn't really begun. And and Melly's there and Fitz is there and Abby is bringing me in. And Allison, the director was like, and we have the, the cameras are swinging back and forth and around, you know, to emulate the confusion that you're feeling. It's like, well, yeah, I'm feeling very, very confused. So this is great. And just like the hyped and the weirdness of it all. And it was such a such an interesting just a moment, such an interesting bit to like be ushered into the Oval Office and to also be ushered into like part of this show. And it, totally. was, it was, again, surreal and awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank um, you. It's so great to spend a little bit of time with you because I never get to see you except to table reads because I'm up here screaming at people on the phone and hiding under my desk until it's dark. So sounds cool. <laughs> Whenever I can come up anytime, I'm always here. I've got a bar too. But thank you. Sincerely, it's great. And it's so much fun watching you. And it's really such a cool thing that you're working on the show. It just makes oh. us all so happy. Thanks, y'all. I couldn't be happier about it myself. Oh, and that y'all just makes me the happiest thing ever. <laughs> um, next time on Grey's Anatomy, you are not going to want to miss this episode. That's all I'm telling you. So just make sure you watch the episode because it is a super incredibly intense and great episode of Grey's Anatomy. Scandal. Oh, this B613 thing. It's just a thing. This whole taking, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But this just seems fraught with problems. And I think maybe next week there'll be more problems. That's my guess. And it's also going to be really, really interesting to watch what happens with Melly, who's at a crucial point in her enthusiastic bid to further her own political career. So don't miss that. And also, by the way, Kate Burton's going to be on next week, which is super awesome. I love, I know. It's super, super good. So don't forget that we have Grey's Anatomy, ABC, Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Scandal, ABC, Thursday night, 9 o'clock. And don't forget that you might want to watch American Crime, which is a terrific show, and it's on at 10 o'clock on ABC Thursday night. Check that out if you haven't checked it out. It's really powerful. It's really intense. The performances are amazing, and you'll get sucked right into story. So check that out, too. Thank you for following all of our Shondaland shows on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and getting caught up on the ABC.com or Watch ABC app when you miss an episode of television. Or, I don't know, you might want to watch it again. I know I always say that, but I like watching it again. And please, don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to this very podcast at iTunes.com backslash Shondaland. I will be back next week with another podcast talking about the amazing television programs that we are trying to continue to put out. In the meantime, have a great week. 
stay safe, and I will catch you next time.